0: Do you like candles? We all know that I love candles, and I love the candles from Remy Moon. They are an Australian-based small business and they make the best and most magical candles. All of their candles are made with high vibes, pure intentions, and each one is crafted with a little bit of Reiki healing that also suits the intention of the candle itself. All their candles are non-toxic and vegan, so they don't harm us or the animals. You can use the code SUBURBANWITCH for 15% off all of their products, and it's only for listeners of the Witch Talks podcast. Simply head to remymoon.com.au to get your candles now. Welcome to Witch Talks, the series for spiritual seekers, witches, and enlightened souls. I'm Hannah the Suburban Witch, professional tarot reader, astrologer, and witch, and I hope you're ready to get up close and personal with your favourite witches. Hello, hello, Hannah the Suburban Witch here, and I am delighted to welcome you back to another episode of the Witch Talks podcast. Today I'm going to be chatting with a special guest all about pagan parenting, witchy kids books, and we do chat birth stuff and breastfeeding stuff and all that jazz as well. So heads up, that's the topics of discussion for today. Before we start though, I want to start a new segment on the show at the beginning of each episode. And I want to do like an advice column, like ask Hannah, ask a witch. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to call it yet. But I'm putting it out there that I would like you guys to send me your questions. Now, I don't mean general questions like general witchy stuff. Like, what are your favorite books? No, not those. I want specific questions like, hey, this person's doing X, Y and Z or hey, this is the issue that I'm having or I want to get this or whatever it is, specific questions. And I will assist you with my witchy advice, whether that's a specific spell, a direction to look, a reference, whatever it is whatever it is. I don't know yet. I don't have your questions. Send them over to suburbanwitchery at gmail.com. Or if you'd like, you can send me a voice note over on Instagram. As long as the audio quality is good enough for the episode, I will play it and then I will respond to you. Make sure to pop in your pronouns as well so I don't get them wrong when I'm responding to you. And let me know if you wish to remain anonymous or not. I cannot wait to read all of your questions and to share those responses. Because personally, when I listen to other podcasts, people sending questions and they get specific answers, that helps me to learn. And I think it's going to help you guys to learn as well. Because one of my goals with this podcast is that you leave every episode knowing something new, learning something new, expanding your knowledge. And honestly, I'm really excited about this season, season two. I feel like I've learned a lot. Doing season one and I'm ready to just sort of up it a little bit. I have some great guests lined up so definitely stay tuned. Remember episodes come out on the first of the month and the 16th of the month every month. Now I'll stop yammering so we can get into the show. In this episode I'm chatting with the incredible Andrea Stein from Moondust Press. She is a witch, an author, an indie publisher and hosts her own witchy podcast for kids called Mini Magic. She's joining us via Zoom all the way from Austin. Hey, Andrea, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I should have asked before we started recording, is it Andrea or Andrea?
1: It's Andrea, you are saying it correctly, but I go by I go by Andy.
0: Okay, Andy, perfect. I should have asked that as well. But... I had that moment in my head as soon as I said your name. I was like, but the character from Lego Friends is Andrea. And I was like, maybe. Yes. And I- one of my other authors
1: is Andrea.
0: So we at
1: least have the differentiation, but it gets confusing.
0: Yeah. I was just like, oh no, Lego Friends has ruined me for pronunciation. <laughs> awesome. So, Andrew, I'm very excited to chat with you today. We're going to talk all about pagan parenting and kitschy kitschy, kids books as well which is going to be awesome but I want to start out by pulling a tarot card for you if you're open to that I would love that awesome now do you have a question do you want general guidance what are you thinking um yeah I
1: can I ask anything go for it yeah okay I am I'm in a particularly weird spot with a friend of mine Mm -hmm. um and have been doing some work around
0: it. So I'm, I'm curious about that situation and a resolution of that. All right, cool. So a resolution and some guidance, I guess. I pulled out a deck before we started, which is the Disney Villains Tarot. Fun. It's fun. And particularly with the theme of today being sort of kid oriented, I think this can be a really fun one as well to pull out because they're familiar. Are your kids into descendants yet? Uh, yes, I'm probably more so into descendants. <laughs> I love it. It's so much fun. It's so much I fun. love it. Yeah. My almost 10 year old is obsessed with my, my almost, yeah. almost six year old. I think we've been watching it for like the past three years. So, since she was three, and she used to love getting up and dancing every time they sang their songs, which the songs are wonderful. If you haven't. All watched, of the music. It, yes. All of the music is so good. And I, I love can't, it. I can't figure out if I like number one, two, or three better. They're all good. I like
1: the third one, because I like Cheyenne Jackson. And I think the music in the third one is really good. Um, And just everything that all of those people have gone gone on to do like um, Dove Cameron is Mel Mm -hmm. and all of her music is so good. She's adorable. Mm -hmm. And Sophia Carson is in a bunch of other movies. I like I love them. I follow them. I feel like their mom.
0: I have um, I have a, a villains playlist. A very villainous theme today. Uh, I have a villains playlist that I listen to just because it feels like it pumps me up. And Dove Cameron's in there. And oh, she, I eat boys like you for breakfast. I think that's her song. I love it. And her. it's it's really good. It's really good. So um, yes, highly recommend those Disney movies. I'm I should watch it again actually, so my son can see it. He's only two, but I think he's going to be our our show dance our show dance kid to be honest <laughs> that's
1: my two-year-old son so
0: <laughs> There's uh, something in there it's the best um all right so let's have a little look okay so resolution with a friend let's see what the cards have to help you and guide you today now if anyone wants a closer look at this deck I do have an unboxing on my YouTube channel as per usual and I go through them all and also comment because I'm a big Disney fan. I comment on what I would have done better because <laughs> there's a lot yeah. of. All right, let's, let me take a moment to take a breath, Hannah. Just gonna ground down. Okay, so we have some uh, two cards here. One is basically like the this is going to help your situation. This is going to help you come to a resolution. This is what you need to do, and then the other one is what's not going to help. Okay, so because sometimes what happens is if we don't have that balance in you know you get like a what we should do or some guidance without that what's not going to help sometimes that's what people's default is if you know what Mm -hmm. I mean and then they still go and do that and it makes it all messy so I find it really clear to just be like do this don't do this hopefully that helps us okay so I'm actually going to start with what not to do okay now this one is a card everybody knows and it does often pop up in situations of conflict as well this is our three of swords. i'm gonna if you're watching the youtube version you're gonna be able to see the card there there's no actual villain on this one it's just three swords going through a heart and that was one of my critiques of this deck not every card has a villain on it so when i see this card this card's ruled by gemini okay so when i think of um sorry i've said gemini i mean libra Air, sign, first three three cards, uh, twos, threes and fours are always going to be Libra in the Swords deck. This one talks of balance and harmony. Now, when we think of Libra specifically and this card comes through as words and talking, I do actually feel like in this specific example with this friendship, any whilst you might want to talk about it or talk through it or say something or have something you want to say feels like anything like that even if it's in a way that you think might be harmonious and might help move it through that actually may not work for this situation if that makes sense that is what's been happening so I (laughs) yeah that makes sense to me okay so yes sometimes our default will be you know we've had this issue we want to talk about it right um if anyone knows someone who is a Libra right that's frequently what they'll do, and then they'll also overthink it. And this one can also come into an overthinking territory, which can sometimes make you really indecisive about how to actually choose an action. So what you do is you engage in conversation to try and figure out if that's going to help clear the air and make a decision happen. And it doesn't always work that way. It almost goes around in circles. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's just like this overabundance of that air energy which is thinking it is excess communication excess thinking all of that sort of thing which ultimately leads to uncomfortable feelings in our heart space right um on both ends okay because sometimes as well when we talk a little too much there can be words that are unsaid uh words that can't be unsaid words that can be taken the wrong way even if you don't see it or don't realize it at the same time so it's always got that opportunity for pain even if it's not intentional right okay. um the impact can can be different to what we intend so it's just that step back from from trying to just talk it through so step back hold those words and if you need to get the words out write them a letter don't send it write it for you okay you can also do the talking in the shower where you have all the things you want to talk it out right pretending that they're there that can be a really good way of almost like embodying that energy that wants to come through, but it doesn't have to have that other party there. Okay. So that's Mm -hmm. the, that's, what's not going to help the situation. So it's interesting if that's sort of already what you've been trying, and it's not really bringing that rift back together. So with our card of what's going to help right now, Sometimes when you go to a friend for advice, um, you know, there's typical things that you say and you do for certain situations like, oh, my gosh, you should probably talk about it with them or that sort of a thing. This is where the tarot cards are wonderful. They're such a wonderful tool because it brings up things that you're like, "Okay, I probably wouldn't have suggested that. And this is one of those cards. okay? now this here is the six of wands and bring it up closely to you. Now, I can't remember her name. She is the villain that's on this is Madam Mim, but in, so if you've seen the sword and the stone, she, she goes through like this transformation thing where she pops into different, um, ways of looking. And one of them is this very, um, attractive Madam Mim, right? Honestly, I kind of envy this, uh, hair color and <clears> style. <throat> <laughs> it's a really cute card. Now the six of wands generally, when we, when we see that, especially if you know, the Rider Waite Smith version, it is success. Okay. The appearance of success okay it is moving forward you'll usually see in the traditional right away smith one there is a man on top of this horse and he's going through the cloud so he's kind of above everyone else and everyone's like woohoo there's a wreath which means success that's why those symbols in those cards are so important right they tell us so much information mm-hmm. and ones i find out of all of the elements uh the fire one it's, it's a bit more fun there's a lot more energy there right But remember the six of wands comes after the five of wands where there's conflict. So this card specifically is telling us you've had that conflict. You've had that awkward, almost like an impasse. If you look at that five of wands traditionally, there's everyone, everyone, no one can move forward. Everyone's wands are crossed, but we've moved past that. So it needs to be that stepped forward, like, okay, we've done that. We're moving to that next stage. So it's almost a way of just allowing that to have been, to have happened and to move forward. And what I would suggest in this, especially because this is when we're looking at Madame Mim, this is the Disney villains, right? We're not using the Rider-Waite Smith. Whilst having that knowledge is really useful when you're using any other tarot deck as well. This is the Disney villains, and what we see here is an illusion. Okay. So what is actually going to help is for you to step into that illusion space of almost like let's pretend nothing happened. It's not pretending nothing happened, not really. But in order to move past it, it's like you need to take that step into okay. Let's go into what we want this to be. It's like a quantum leap in a way. When you quantum leap and you step into that, like, I'm just going to go out for dinner with my friend. We both want to be these, like, I don't know, wealthy, fun moms. Let's go and um, have dinner and pretend that we are what we already want to be. And that'll help Mm -hmm. us get us there quicker, right? That's that quantum leaping. It's almost doing that with the friendship. Go to where you want to be with it. That resolution will still come. Okay. That success will still come there. But I think for them, they need to go to that more comfortable place first. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's what's what's going to really help you there. Might be difficult for you if you've not, if you're like, I just I need that other thing figured out. But that's for you to do in the background as well. And they will probably be doing it in the background as well. But I don't think that confrontation um, and talking about it is actually going to bring you forward. This is what Bill, that illusion of almost fake it until you make it yeah extremely yeah. helpful that
1: card also specifically mm. it makes me think of like a glamour right yes. and glamour magic and like putting on a mm. i'm fine i'm doing well Yeah. mask of it even yes. if that's not necessarily
0: the case yes exactly so and that's where you know you if you if you're advising a friend you're never going to be like oh just pretend it's all better right that sounds like terrible advice but situationally and with some people that's what needs to happen that's if you want the resolution there is a bluey episode I'm going to bring up bluey because we're talking pagan parenting today yeah there is a bluey episode and it is where they're playing grannies and bluey says grannies can't floss and bingo says
1: yes
0: oh it a hundred times yes and she says do you want to be right or do you want to keep playing and I think that that I'm getting shivers saying that. I feel like that is kind of where you're at with this relationship.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. Bluey, my husband and I always say that it's like really a show about parenting mm-hmm. um, because it's it's just a show that teaches you how to be a good parent. And I like use so many techniques, like find myself saying things that they say and like slipping into, it's crazy. It's the best. Are you guys more crazy about it
0: in Australia
1: than we are? Because I'm an Australian.
0: Yes, and I think as well, we're a defense family personally, and the creators of the show were in defense as well. So there are little like what do you call them? Um, They call them yeah, yeah, little snippets. Like there'll be um, you know a pineapple symbol, which is in defense life when things happen. You call it getting pineappled. It's meant to be like a pineapple shoved up your rear end because things are not always comfortable but seeing bluey and their little pineapple like that little hint there you're like yes they get it
1: (laughs) I love stuff like that I always try to put little things like that in books that people will find and pick out out of the background
0: I love that so yeah that's Bluey's wonderful it's also set in Queensland which is where we've moved to in the past year they're in like a traditional Queenslander house and it just Everything feels really relevant to Australian lifestyle, which you don't get in a lot of TV shows, especially ones that make it over in the States as well. Yeah, I love their house.
1: I always, I want their house so bad. I want dad's office.
0: We bought the kids for Christmas. They got a shared gift from us. It was the big gift and it was the bluey house, like doll house. They've got little characters. They've got, it's so cute. There's a little fridge and it opens and like, you can buy add-on sets, which are like, um, Oh, they've got the grannies, like Bingo and Bluey dressed up as grannies with the granny car. You can buy everything. It's so cool. It's very cool. They caravan when they go on their camping trip and she meets the French kid. Yeah. What's his name? I can't remember. Anyway, love Bluey. Love Bluey.
1: I could talk about it all day, but we will not. We will move on.
0: (laughs) So what I want to know, firstly and foremost, because I know obviously what you do at the moment, but were you personally, were you raised pagan or witchy?
1: Um no, not at all. My mother is Roman Catholic and my father is Jewish by ethnicity, but really agnostic. Um I was baptized Roman Catholic at birth and then I never really did, you know, like none of my parents went to church or temple. Um I celebrated Jewish and Christian holidays socially, but I wasn't raised in any type of religion at all. Uh, my mom started attending Unitarian Universalist churches when I was probably in middle school, maybe early high school. So I went to a little bit of that with her, but it was still, I felt like a little too God focused for me. Um, but no, I
0: I was not at all. So when did the shift happen for you? When did you fall into this spiritual pathway?
1: Um, yeah, I was always interested in occultism and metaphysics, but more in an academic way, I would say. Um, and then when I, when I was 18, I started working as a personal assistant for someone who is a psychic and she wouldn't, I won't call her a witch because she wouldn't call herself a witch and her practice doesn't look like witchcraft, but it is, heavily based in metaphysics and she has a very strict set of rules and principles that she abides by, that she believes in. And that really opened my perspective for the first time to Magic being very real. And at that same time, when I was 18, I was in a very bad relationship with someone. And I ended up getting pregnant. And I had my first daughter when I was 20 years old. So after that happened, things went downhill very, very, very quickly in that relationship that I was already out of, um, to the point where my daughter was in the NICU. I had a C-section. She was born at 33 weeks. So she was in the hospital for a while. And when she was 10 days old, the first time I left the hospital was to go to the courthouse and file a domestic violence restraining order. Mm -hmm. Um, and at that point I not exactly that point, but after that I turned to witchcraft out of necessity. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll say the practice of witchcraft. Um, I had books on paganism and books on witchcraft and I had read about a lot of things and I was interested, but I had never done anything or felt the need or capability to do anything until the point where I really needed to protect myself and my child. Um, So for me, parenting... And witchcraft are kind of inextricably linked because I don't think I would have a practice if I hadn't gone through that situation necessarily and become a parent at that time under those circumstances and needed magic. And I think not for everyone, but often this is the case throughout history that witchcraft comes up when people need help or when people are in desperate situations. That they need to get out of especially women and it affords them an agency um and a level of control that they did not previously have
0: Mm. that is a that's a rough start to motherhood (laughs) very rough but I love that you found your magic through it that's really powerful and I guess I can see how it. You're right. It's inextricably tied, and there is relevance there. What I find, and not all, which is a mother's, obviously, and which is a gender neutral term, all of that, but I do find people that give birth. There seems to be a very high uh, rate of people that come to witchcraft through or from birth.
1: Yes, I noticed absolutely the same thing, and that a lot of people that buy my books or that buy my books for their kids are new moms who are themselves in the process of fleshing out what their spirituality looks like. Um, I get questions like that all the time. Like, will this be helpful for me as an adult? Or do you have any recommendations for me? I'm just learning too. And I'm going to get my kids this alongside of it. Um, So yeah, I've noticed that too, that I think especially... Parenthood is is very triggering for this kind of spiritual transformation.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm getting major goosebumps as you were talking about parents coming to you saying is it helpful for them? Maybe we should be looking potentially maybe I maybe I could write something. A picture book for parents, like a picture <laughs> book for adults.
1: I Yeah, I think that illustrated books i mean i don't think picture books are just for kids i think that illustration adds so much depth to your mm-hmm. knowledge so much to be gained especially with witchcraft something that can be very visual there's a lot of you know old primary and secondary sources that are pictures that are things that are helpful to see i was just explaining to my 9 year old the other day what a witch's ladder was mm-hmm. and she was having trouble like visualizing it. And I just, I Googled it on my phone and I pulled up, you know, 20 pictures of different witches ladders. You can make it like this with bones. You can make it with feathers. You can make it with beads. Like these are all examples. These are historical examples. These are drawings. So yeah, having access to the visual part of it by someone who has the knowledge to put it together is really useful.
0: Yeah. Okay. My brain's spinning as it does, which is good. It's interesting um I mean I personally learned best you know if when I read the Outlander series right I remember turning to my husband and going why did they not teach history like this in school Mm -hmm. I would have remembered so much I I go through it and I'm like I can tell you when this happened I know about this political thing now like I would never have grasped that in school the way they taught it but put it into a story and my brain remembers it but it can still also distinguish between this is a made-up character for the story and this is a political thing that actually happened. Mm-hmm. So I think that can be, you know, that storytelling is such a useful way to, to teach and, I mean, I use it in my classes as well, but I also use a lot of images in my classes. I'm showing people, you know, little clips of something or I'm using pictures to show them what it looks like or how it comes through because a lot of people need not only the the words but the, the looking at it as well, the picture to mm-hmm cemented in their mind, as well as a story to tie it all together. So I think it could be super useful, Um, even like a little mythology book that then has that extra information in the story that's more geared toward adults could be really interesting. So yes, now with your books, so you've got, I think I have all of them that you've written, I've got C is for Coven, which is like an alphabet book, um, a witchy alphabet book, shall we say. Uh, I've got Brina, which is about a little witch. We were actually reading it yesterday. I say we, but my daughter was reading it out loud because she can read now, which is marvelous. And, you know, she loves it. And she even just loves, even in the pictures. So she'll read the bit at the bottom and then there's a lot of books on the shelf and she's turning the book upside down and, you know, trying to read all the book names along it. We had so much fun, like picking out all of the book names and
1: with all of the little details in there.
0: (laughs) She came across the word wicker because it says wicker on one of them. And she just was like, witcher, witcher. <laughs> just kept going. I was like, yeah, cool. Um, but yeah, that that's a wonderful, wonderful book. That was the first one I got from you. We've since got What Witches Wear, and I do have Sunday the Sea Witch, but I've held that back for her birthday, which is in March. We're recording this in February. So in a month's time, she's gonna have that one. And I think she's, re- I've already flipped through it. I think she's really, really, really going to love that one, especially because it's got the moving house component. As a defence family, we move quite frequently. So I think that's an amazing one for all the different lessons that that brings as well. Um, have you written – has that all of them? Have I got all of them? Yes, that's all of mine. Yes, awesome. And then I've also got another one through your um, publishing press, which is uh, Casita Brujita. and. Oh. Oh, stunning. We we are a, attempting to be, I was going to say um, bilingual, but we're actually learning three, two other languages, so that would make us three. I'm teaching my kids Spanish, so that sort of a book is marvellous for them to read and for us to put some of these words into more practical settings as well. And there's not many bilingual books. We have we have a couple. We have Los Pollitos, which is one of the... Um, Kentico's ones—they're very good, but they're more like baby books. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is the first sort of like kids picture book that we have that is bilingual and magical and witchy as well. And she's going through it, going, "We have that. We do this." So it was yeah. really great to to mix that together. Uh, she also made a lot of um, comparisons with the movie Coco, <laughs> so that was nice with the ofrenda Yes,
1: I get a lot of um, Encanto comparisons mm-hmm. on that
0: yes. one and mm-hmm. so- Another favourite movie over here. Um, and we're on a sign that We're also learning Chinese at my daughter's request over Christmas. She's decided to teach herself Chinese. Yeah. So I don't know where I'm going to find a Chinese bilingual book. <laughs> it's going to be hard.
1: They are out there. Um, I have a local friend mm-hmm. who has, I think it's Mandarin. Yep. is a Mandarin. It has... Um, so it has three because it has the mandarin i think the like yeah. the word pronunciation and then it has the characters and then it has the english I'm i'll gonna... send you i'll send you her information her I... name is irene
0: yeah because we're we're learning the characters but the, i think they're going to come last because it is a, a totally new world in terms of language speaking though and reading the i think they call it pinyin or P- something like that the the way it would be phonetically pronounced uh, Mm -hmm. helps, but yes, it's very different, but she's doing really well teaching herself, which then means I have to learn as well. And now my husband's like, well, I feel left out. And so we're just all learning (laughs) and it's his heritage. So it's good. (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah. So it's fun. So I love that you've, you've included that. So um, can you tell me a little bit um, of, did your book come first or did the publishing house come first, which was the, what started it?
1: Yeah. I wrote Brina first. Um, I had another job, a full-time job. I was working in sales for a digital marketing company and I was really extremely, extremely unhappy, um, at that job. And I wrote the book on my lunch break one day, like sitting in a restaurant at lunch. I sat there for like three hours and flushed out the whole thing and I wrote it. Um, and I think I made the Moondust Press Instagram like the next day, because I went home and I stayed up until three or four o'clock in the morning, just reading everything I possibly could on the internet about traditional publishing and self-publishing and all of these things. Um, I figured out that a lot of people create publishing names for themselves to self-publish under. So I just started publishing my own books under Moondust Press for the first probably two Years, maybe a little over two years. And then I realized how many other people I got contacted all the time asking if I published other people's work. And I was like, I don't, that's really expensive. Um, but I figured out how to do it and I started taking submissions from people. And now I think there are eight, between what's out and what's in process, I think there are eight other authors.
0: Besides me. That's so wonderful. And that's just when did you, you you took submissions? Was it last year or 2020? Um, it was May 2021. 2021. Okay, yeah. So that's been, I guess it's coming up to two years then
1: mm-hmm.
0: from taking submissions to having those other authors. It what's been the what's been the most eye-opening part of your journey?
1: How many people? I mean, I didn't realize, I thought that witchcraft was a much smaller fringe group of people and I think it's still widely considered that way publicly I didn't realize how many millions of people out there were not exactly doing the same thing but had overlapping practices and had this kind of interest um I didn't know when I wrote my first book I ordered I ordered 1500 copies of it the first time the first print run And I didn't know if it was going to take me five years to sell them. Um, I was shocked when I ran, I ran a Kickstarter campaign for my first book and I had like 600 or 700 Instagram followers, not a lot. And like 400, more than 400 people or something ended up backing the Kickstarter. We ended up raising like $24,000 on the Kickstarter. So the whole thing has blown me away by how much it's grown. Um, I was able to quit my full-time job that first year and go full-time on Moondust Press. So wonderful. Pay pay my bills and trying to retire my husband.
0: That's the dream, isn't it? (laughs) Yes. He is a better home parent than I am. You know what? I'd probably say the same about my husband. (laughs) He has a service agreement, so we have a time limit. (laughs) Um. Yeah. So with those books, did you, with the first one, would you say you wrote that for your daughter or for little you? Um, I wrote it for her.
1: That was my intention. Uh, I had been looking for pagan books, witchy books for her. She was five at that point. She was in kindergarten. And so I'd been looking for maybe three or four years for books for her And there's some things out there, but they were older. Um, They were a little dated. Most of them were self-published. So that can be good or bad. Just most of them were self-published. And um, a lot of them were very Wiccan Mm -hmm. leaning. Mm -hmm. So I wanted something that was more eclectic. I wanted something that was more folk-based for me and represented my experience and my practice more. And I wrote that first book for her that just kind of was also an explainer that magic is real. This is an option for you. This is what I'm doing. Like, these are what these different things look like. And I didn't really realize I was writing it for little me. I'd say some of the other books have been more for little me. Um, <laughs> Sunday the Sea Witch is very much a book I wrote for myself, especially about moving. Um, that one's the most for me. But Brina was really for her. And then I wrote Seas for Kevin when I was pregnant with
0: my son in 2020. So that one was his little baby book. Yeah, oh, it's wonderful. I remember my daughter... Was enthralled in C is for coven when you get up to, I think E is for elements. Mm. It's got the image of, um, you know, earth, air, wind, and fire, these little depictions. And she would just sit there and she must have been, we were in our last house. So I reckon she was maybe three. And she would just sit there drawing on the whiteboard those images like over and over and over. They were on her little magnetic board, like everything she'd draw, she'd just start drawing those. She was just absolutely enthralled with them. And the funny thing is, and I've just only put that together. I was saying yesterday to my husband, she's a little weather witch, Like she doesn't know it. But even from when she was absolutely tiny, she would look up at the sky and go, rain. I'm like, no, it's not raining. And she'd go rain. And I'm like, it's not going to rain today. Like a 1% chance or something. And I kid you not, it would rain that day. And from then any time she has said rain even now she'll look and go it's gonna rain today we don't we just trust it i go i will pull the sheets in off the line (laughs) because she just knows and i don't think she's she doesn't understand yet that that's a special skill that she has so she's definitely got this real attraction to weather which is really just such a cool thing um to to see blossoming from such a young age
1: kids are so they're so tuned in before they start normalizing themselves all out in middle school.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's also had I guess the benefit of not being shut down with a lot of the things that she does and says and that sort of a thing because I've been so mindful of it because all I remember from my childhood was anything I'd say that I you know, I see this or anything even just imagination was that's not real that's not a thing you know Yeah. that's, that's evil Was <laughs> you know anything that was a little bit out there i was very strict evangelical so we had we had picture books we had picture bibles um that was what i grew up on and the books on our bookshelf that were for kids were all about why evolution was wrong and you know creation of creationism was real and that was what i grew up around and I would read them avidly, and uh, I was very indoctrinated. But I remember reading them avidly. I think wanting more and not getting it. And so I just reread them over and over. I tried to make my cat read the picture Bible because I thought she's going to go to hell. She hasn't read the Bible. It's <laughs> <Hi. laughs> poor cat. Um, but I'm just so grateful that we've got books like yours because I did the search around uh, for ages looking for something because I was telling my daughter, you know, Mummy's a witch. And she was like, no, no, no. Witches are bad. And I'm like, no, no, no. Witches are not bad. And this, this stereotype was even in, in someone that was raised by me, who's trying to tell her from the get-go that witches are fine. That's all she saw. Mm
1: -hmm. That's a whole, that's a whole other part of it. And the value Mm -hmm. of breaking that stereotype. And it's, there's two of them. There's one, witches are bad, witches are evil, witches are satanic, witches are going to kill children and eat them, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also highly anti-Semitic, but we won't go there. Um, and then there's the second one, which I think my kids see more, which are witches are characters that come out on And they wear black capes and they wear black pointy hats and they fly on broomsticks and they point at things and they go poof. And, you know, that kind of fake cartoon magic. So what I've really even with my own kids had to work on like breaking is that and like, how is the magic that you do different than that? And your magic's not real because you can't do that. That's not really witchcraft um so that's yeah that's there's a whole slew of stereotypes that i think are getting thrown at kids through movies and tv shows and other books and other kids and it's really nice to have something i think for a lot of parents that breaks that
0: yeah and normalizes it in a way that it's it's not this movie magic type of thing where you are pointing something and it goes poof and changes. That's really important. And, you know, little things like uh, the magic that that we do at home quite frequently is, you know, let's say my daughter has a nightmare. Um, This, this happened recently. She's like, I had a nightmare. I don't want to go to sleep because I had a bad dream last night. What if it comes back? So I said, all right, well, we can, we can do something about this. And so I gave her a few options. We could make, you know, a, a sweet dream potion, um she loves making potions and choosing all the ingredients herself we can get a crystal for under her pillow Uh, we can do a a meditation we can say some affirmations maybe do some tapping like we've got all these tools in the toolbox that I wouldn't have had if I didn't have this practice as well which is wonderful um and then I said all we could potentially and I was sort of going through it and my husband looked up and he goes why don't you write it down and burn it and I was like hmm good idea (laughs) says the man who says he's not a witch and my daughter was like, "Fire, yes!" I was like, "All right, cool." So she wrote, when they <laughs> She wrote down, "Go away, bad dreams." Uh, so I just let her whatever you want to do, and we we did. We scrunched up, and usually I'd put it in the cauldron or something. But no, we just went outside on the pavement. Um, luckily, it's it, it had rained, like it, it's safe enough to do this. We lit it on fire, and then I said, hey, why don't we hold hands and walk around it saying, go away, bad dreams. So we did that, and we actually got into a bit of a chant. She didn't realise, but we were raising energy. So we're going around and around in an anti-clockwise direction saying, go away, bad dreams, go away, bad dreams. And it was funny because it was a bit slow to start burning, and as soon as we started chanting, it just went, and it was big. And then as soon as we went, go away, bad dreams, and stopped, I swear the fire just went out. Just instantly. And I was like, oh, even, like, even for me as an adult, which that was cool. <laughs> and she yeah. saw it. She was like, Mom, we did it. And I was like, we did it. We absolutely did it. Um, and the little witch that she was, she's just literally just in her undies because it's so hot here at night. So I'm like, she's pretty much doing like naked dances under the moon <laughs> at the age of
1: five. I love it. I still get those moments like when I get a moment of confirmation yeah like that it's still it still gives me goosebumps it's still I'm like oh oh shit like I'm
0: really doing something so yeah I love cool. it is so cool and she went to bed and of course she didn't have a nightmare she hasn't actually had a nightmare since we did that so it's really powerful because it gives this visual representation as well of something that you can do it makes it kind of fun it's a way of embodying you know what you want to achieve and, and just changing the changing the world one little one little tiny piece of paper on fire at a time you know and I think if she hadn't had all of these you know wonderful stories that I'm I'm showing her in an example as well that might have looked scary to her but instead it looked fun mm-hmm. so that's really I think it's really powerful have you noticed a um a barrier I think because this is sort of the other side like a I want this stereotype to change, but I've noticed another stereotype. I'm interested if you have, have you noticed a barrier in parents buying these books for the books for their kids?
1: Um, Not necessarily because if a parent, I would say most of the parents that I interact with are already in this space. Um, There are some people, there's two types of negative feedback that I get. I get, right it's satanic, it's bad. You shouldn't share that with kids. But then there are people that just say, I'm a witch or I'm pagan. And I don't think you should share any of this with kids at all. I don't think kids should be exposed to this. I think kids should not be exposed to any religion, any spirituality whatsoever, and that they should make all of their decisions when they grow up and are adults. Um, (laughs) And I come, I, the question I come to is how are they supposed to make a decision if they don't know what their options are? And if you're raised your whole life, believing that magic's not real, it's harder as an adult to believe that. So even planting that seed, which is not just true in paganism is true in so many religions is true in Judaism is true in folk Catholicism that magic is real just allowing them to know that as children I think is half of the battle and getting them to accept that and carry that through childhood and not get that stamped out
0: yeah I would love to know if the people that have issues with this being exposed to children are also saying that about other religions being exposed to children at such a young age? Some
1: of them are. And I think a lot of it comes from religious trauma.
0: I think those are
1: not always, I don't know, but I think those are people that maybe have been raised in homes that are more evangelical and mm-hmm. they associate any sharing of religion or spirituality with children with this is what's happening. That's what happened to me. That's indoctrination. Mm-hmm. You a choice when in reality most of the pagan parents that i know are not just buying pagan books for their kids they're introducing their kids to a whole host of things because they're generally very open-minded yeah
0: yeah and i'm the same like i i have my fair share of religious trauma absolutely and i do have opinions on things like the idea of hell being very traumatic and damaging for a child which is, you know, when I'm talking this sort of stuff like spirituality, paganism, all of that with my daughter, there are some topics that you probably wouldn't put in a kid's book, right?
1: Absolutely. But the, a, lot, a lot of them, yeah.
0: yeah yes. But the kids' Christian Bibles have very, you know, oh, we're just going to rip a baby in half and give half of you. Like, that's not a children's story. <laughs> Throw someone in a lion's den. Like, no, we're in a fire. Like, Ooh. You know, you get thrown in the filing
1: at some points. And my, my oldest daughter at one point, a few years ago, asked for a children's Bible. Uh, We live in Texas,
0: you know, I plenty of those around.
1: around and it's it's all around her socially so she was curious she wanted to read the bible she wanted to know what was going on she was mm-hmm. like who is this guy um so i got her we checked out a children's bible you know i i think it would be hypocritical of me to not let her read the bible and i think if she wanted to practice that way it would be hypocritical of me to not allow that and not accept that because the whole point and the whole thing I'm trying to instill in my kids is you can choose whatever you want. I chose this. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure if it's correct. I think so. Uh, You know, that's why I'm doing it, but nobody really knows. So just do whatever you think is right.
0: Yeah. I love that. That's, it's what I strive to do as well. Um, My daughter has a lot of questions as all kids do. But her main one, which she started when she was two or three, and I was like, surely not. She would ask, mum, where do the trees come from? And I was like, got this. Trees come from seeds. She was like, okay, where do the seeds come from? And I was like, from the trees. (laughs) We got this. And she was like, what about the first tree? I'm like, mm. So, So we sat down. Now, remember, I was taught that, Evolution was bad. My high school didn't teach evolution. It taught creationism. So I don't have any of that knowledge. So when I met my husband, who is, he was raised semi-Catholic, I would say, but he's very scientifically minded. When we started dating, he would laugh at me and the things that I would say. And I didn't like that. So I went and took a Khan Academy course on evolution (laughs) to teach myself. I was like 21. I was like, fine, I'm going to figure out what you're talking about. And i did i taught myself and expanded my mind and read you know a lot of different books so i sat down with my daughter i said okay i'm going to teach you what i know um and then i'm also going to teach you what i was taught which some people believe and i'm going to teach you what some of the other religions believe as well so we went through we had a whiteboard um i was drawing pictures of evolution um you know from this to this to this to this and then I did, you know, and creationism believes that there's someone out here and they do this and this happened here. And, and then this religion teaches this. And so she had this little diagram of each one, um, and I thought, oh, killing this mom thing. This is great. And she just kind of went, well, which one's right? And I was like, no one knows. <laughs> no, yep. one. you have to decide that for yourself, which one you want to believe in. And she was like, oh, this is boring. And walked away. And I'm like, oh, that was a lot of effort. <laughs> But obviously, she, but that question comes up frequently, and I said, Remember, remember what we did? We talked about this, this, and this, and we so we go over those same things. She's got the foundation, we we'll go over it again and again and again. And she's asked before, Can I go to church? I'm like, absolutely, if you want to go, I will suck it up and I will take you with me, and I will support right? you if that's what you want to do. Absolutely, as long as whatever you choose is not harming other people and is done with kindness, totally fine. Um, she's then turned around and said, No, it sounds boring. I'm like,
1: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I that that's one of the big questions that comes up for kids cre- mm. create and how did we get here what am i doing here and then the other one that i get a lot from my kids is what's going to happen when i die where do i go um mm. my, my daughter very firmly believes in reincarnation i don't i haven't sorted out all of my feelings about that personally but she has um which is good for her Love that. but that's a big one that we talk about too, where it's helpful to take a more spiritual view sometimes because I want to tell her, well, it depends on Mm -hmm. how good a person you are. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I wanted to, my daughter came up with, um, what did she say? I, I posted it on my Facebook page. Um, because she said one of those things that you kind of go, okay and it was just out of the blue and then she kind of just left it and walked away Um, and it was very much reincarnation vibes and I haven't really taught her I haven't taught her that I haven't said that that's what happens at all I believe in reincarnation and past lives and all of that but we haven't really got to that when we talk about death we've had some major deaths in the family in the past year and every time I talk about that she and you know her grandmother which was a few years prior she knows that they're in spirit and that she can talk to them whenever she wants she hasn't really asked too much about that since then i'm trying to find because i posted it up here and it's really good um because i did it literally how she said it but it was a little while ago so let's see if i can find it as i quickly scroll
1: i have one too when when luna says Two, maybe two and a half. She was about to turn three because we were talking about how it was going to be her birthday. And I was telling her, It's your birthday. You're going to be three. And she kept saying, Why? Like, why am I going to be three? And I said, Because that's how long you've been on the earth. And she was like, But why? And I said, Because you were born. And then there was one year, two years, and then it's going to be three years. And I kept repeating just like the same sentence in different ways. And finally she just goes, but what about last time? She's two, two, two and a half. And I was like, uh,
0: I don't know about, I don't know about, I'm, I'm so sorry. So I found the thing. So it said it was in December. She said it. So it was a couple of months ago. So I've, I've written my five-year-old daughter just popped out with this, her, when I was a baby, before I was in your tummy, I was an old lady. I was 113. And I was like, is that so? Probably the the tone I used as well. And she said, yep, we actually grow down. And I was like, grow down. Oh, my God. And she goes, yep, once we get old enough, we grow down to a baby to start again. And I was like, that's very interesting. And I never want to like egg it on, if you know what I mean, because you don't want to be like, oh, okay, so then tell me, because you want it to come out exactly as it comes out and then I could mm. scribble it down somewhere to be like when you were a kid you used to say stuff like this but I don't want it to be I want to know as well that I'm not leading her into these things because that helps for my own confirmation as well as everything else but growing down I was like that's fascinating that yeah
1: that's an amazing way of putting it and I do the same thing where I kind of not not play dumb but keep my responses very minimal to see what I pull out of them on their own.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So i want to go back to the um, question about the barriers there. Cause I feel like I definitely had something and I, I know other people may have as well with buying these, um, buying witchy books. I remember the first time when I, when I went to buy Brina, I had, res- I felt resistance There was me being like, I'm literally a professional witch on the internet. Why am I feeling resistance in this? What is it? And obviously religious trauma is there in the background. And I had to really remind myself, like people do this when they have a religion or a spiritual practice, they raise their kids in it. That is normal. And I think it was what you were talking about before, that resistance to influencing them or telling them what they should believe as well. And I remember I had to really like sit myself down and be like, it's okay to have this book here. And if she doesn't like it, she doesn't like it. But you know, it's right next to some other wonderful books that I wish that I had when I was a kid. We've got one really good one called Prince and Knight. And it's a little love story between a prince and a knight, right? So Things like this that just give them those opportunities to see that there's more than just, you know, the princess and the prince or more than just when I grow up, I want to be a princess. You know, when I grow up, maybe I want to be a witch. Maybe there's that, that other option. And I think we did get, you know, years back with Wizard of Oz. That was the first time a good witch had ever been, you know, Glenda the good witch. That was the first time ever in pop culture there'd been the other option of being a good witch. And I think now we're seeing more of that nuance. It's not just good and bad. There is just which I think is really, really important. So even for me, I felt resistance. And I've had a lot of my followers' um, questions as well been around, is it okay to do this? Is it, you know, should I be buying books like this? And I'm like, absolutely, hell yeah, because now I've bought them and seen how wonderful it's been for the kids to have these options. So, yeah, I think some of that, barrier or resistance in parents might even just be that it's just new, it's something they didn't grow up with. So it's, it's new for them. Yeah. I think it's, it's good. You're breaking ground. In that area. So
1: long as we're not giving them these books and saying, these are the only books you have access to. This is what you have to follow. This is what we do. This is correct. Then there's no harm in sharing it in a wider way.
0: Is breastfeeding going well for you, by the way? <laughs> Yeah, she's been my easiest by far. That's good. Breastfeeding's yeah. tough. Um, I want a third. There is a third. I know there's a third. I know, but there's a lot of hesitancy with um, my son's just had like a handful of nights sleeping through after two years. Um, so my husband's like, I can't go back in the trenches. <laughs> I
1: know. I I feel like I have one more baby. Around and I've had a lot of people tell me that I have one more baby around me, but we're we're done. We're uh, we don't we won't fit in the house or the car or (laughs) yeah. I can't up again,
0: so I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I'm in that like I want another child. I want to be pregnant again. I miss being pregnant. I kind of miss the baby, baby, like first three months. And then I want to skip to two years, mm-hmm. cut out that middle bit. And I know it feels really long when you're in it, but I'm already seeing that like my son's two And I'm like, Oh wait, this is happening too fast. Wait a minute. We're all growing up. But then I have really like when they're all big, it's going to be beautiful. I'm like, Oh, I feel so pulled. Like I want to, but.
1: <sighs> oh no. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm four and a half years off from them all being in school. And I'm yep. like having, having my days back and my time back and I'll be it ends it all, only it? five. I'm like, I'll have my life. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I've had multiple people tell me that
0: they think there's another one. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel another one for me as well. So yeah. Has the How has it been going from two to three?
1: Much, much more difficult. I have a seven year age gap because <laughs> right. I had my daughter when I was 20 mm-hmm. and then I was a six. Mom, for I got married when she was five, so I was a single mom for five years, and then I got married and I had Leo when she was seven, and then I just had Georgia. So there's a seven year age gap between my first two. She was totally independent, self yeah. sufficient, and helpful, and in school, mm-hmm. and all things. And then I gave myself a two year age gap, and it is heinous yeah I
0: I don't have it to put to it it's it's so incredibly difficult yeah I wanted a two year age gap but now that he's two I'm like I'm I am thankful that I didn't do that um because we had a four year age gap with them and that actually worked quite well I think yeah
1: I yeah I (laughs) I would not advocate for a two year age gap to anyone listening it's (laughs) very difficult but it's gotten a lot better right yeah. we're we're seven months in tomorrow or the next day mm-hmm. so it's much much easier now than it was at the beginning but I also have a I have a tough two-year old and he has a hard time with transitions and this is yeah. the, the big transition that has ever happened
0: yeah definitely um whilst we're talking about parenting as well like motherhood um So you had a home birth with Georgia.
1: Did you have a home birth
0: with Leo as well? Yes, they were both at home. That's so wonderful. Did you, do you think your spiritual practice played a part in that decision?
1: Um, not necessarily. I tried to plan a more natural, not a home birth, but a, a drug-free birth with Luna and then had her at 33 weeks Mm. via emergency so i i watched the business of being born the documentary in a, a college course and was just obsessed with like home birth and natural birth and the cascade of interventions before i ever even got pregnant so i think i always knew that that was the way for me i did when i was pregnant with leo very intentionally use our local austin witches circle we have a facebook group um facebook group of a few thousand people to find my doula who was a witch who is now one of my good friends and then i ended up having him i had him at 35 weeks um at home and it happened so quickly that my midwife and doula were on speakerphone uh <laughs> driving to house urgently and they did not make it so it was just us yeah I- Luna Luna midwife to me, my doula was like screaming to her over the phone, like, go get scissors, go get towels, like Mm -hmm. all the things that's, it was amazing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it any other way, but then Georgie, we went the latest, she was 38 weeks. Mm -hmm. So that was a little more chill. We got to stay home. My midwife made it in time 20 minutes before i think she was at my house for a total of like an hour and a half
0: (laughs) they're quick yeah that's wonderful i've i have the opposite i i cook them long um my son was 42 weeks on the dot and we planned a home birth and um one and not quick not long either not too long i think my labor with him started about 4 a.m after three weeks of um what's it called Prodermal labor. Yeah. Kind of like gorgeous, oh my God, three weeks. Three weeks. Yeah. (laughs) I had six days with my daughter and I thought that was bad. And I ended up going for an induction. But I also had never really heard of a home birth before. I did, it was totally outside of my knowledge. And then with my second, one of the girls in my mother's group from my first birth, she'd had a home birth, and I was like, what? That's an option. And so we went down that path, but it just um I know what rent like I know the steps because there's so many things. It's such a you know, uh delicate balance, I think. I know the things that put me off. Um, but I ended up getting very, very like I need help. So uh we transferred for some pain relief and I had him the moment they transferred me from like the the ambulance bed to the hospital bed and he popped out. So I didn't yeah. need- Pain relief I was like no I could have done it at home (laughs) yeah but also like there's something to that
1: in that like your body Mm -hmm. didn't feel safe at home you didn't you didn't feel like you could release him at home right Mm -hmm. that wasn't the place yeah for some for
0: whatever reason for whatever reason that wasn't the place and we were only two minutes from the hospital which was easy Uh, but he did come out on call so my water's Ah. never broke oh so the reason it was probably so difficult is there was no water to lubricate everything. Mm-hmm. And I didn't just push out a 3.6 kilo baby, which is like seven and a half pounds, I think, maybe close to eight pounds. I didn't just push him out, I also pushed all the water in the sack. So oh, I love, I love those
1: videos. Those are my favorite videos. To watch.
0: We didn't get a photo, we didn't get a video because it happened so fast. Um, but when I saw him, cause the, the midwives, they actually said they've never seen that. I think it's one in 80,000 births. They'd never seen it. And of course, in a hospital, they would always break your waters if it hadn't happened. Yeah. And they were very confused because what happened is like a, almost like the sack and the bubble of waters came, was coming out first and his hair, his dark hair was like, you know, swimming in this like sort of bubble section, right? So oh, was right. like, what are we looking at? They, they said they actually had no idea. Their brains were like, is that worms? Like, what is that? And obviously he then came straight out. They just kind of had to roll with it and realized that it was the whole sack and they had to break it because he had his, the cord around his neck, pulled that off. And when I looked down, I could just see the sack, like the, the membrane over his face. Mm-hmm. And I pulled it off and I said, is that the sack? And they said, yeah, he was born in it because I didn't realise yet. And immediately I was like, he's going to have the second sight. Like, I just know that. That's the <laughs> spiritual, you know, wife's tale is what they say. And as they, as I was cutting the cord and then I they handed him up to me and I looked at my husband and he's, you know, like, whoa, what just happened? And I've looked up and said, find out his rising sign. <laughs> he's like i like running oh God, the right first, now.
1: <laughs> the first thing I when Leo and Georgia were born, I did their charts within within half an hour of both of them being born. <laughs> I did their charts myself. Yep.
0: I think he, the cord had barely just been cut. And he's like, no, you, right now. It's like, right now, man, you cleaning me up. I need to know. I was like, I'm telling you right now, I'm looking at him. I just took one look in his eyes and I said, he is a rising cancer. I, I, I'm. I'll put so much money on it, but I need to know that I'm right. And so he's like, what do I do? And I was like, go to this website. So I'm like guiding him through it and he put it all in. Um, and of course I'm yelling at them. You got the birth time, right? Please tell me you got the birth time. <laughs> and they put it in, he's a rising cancer. I was like, I knew it. I knew it. I can relax now. <laughs> so, yeah. That's so cool. I'm I know birth is just wonderful. So um, yeah, if, if slash when I have another, uh, I've already found My future doula and I've got her booked in to come on the show as well and chat with me uh Dr Danielle because she's she's a doctor a GP but also a doula and also a witch and she's indigenous she's wonderful so I think that whole experience will be very different now yeah
1: such a such a portal for lack of a better word and having when there's time for it Mm -hmm. having more of a spiritual event to it is really beautiful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I wanted to as well, um, so we've sort of gone off onto Beth, which is fine. Going back to the work that you do with with Moondust Press. So you've got um firstly two things that I think are really wonderful. Not only are you breaking the stereotype of the witch through children's books, but you're also breaking the stereotypical images that we see in children's book and i think what witches wear was really really um amazing for that in in the imagery and and the wording as well and everything and if anyone hasn't read that book so it goes through it's like a color book so it's like some witches wear you know red and blue and green blah 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 blah. but each one has a you know I can't bring it into my mind that the, you are probably better at some of the actual words, but you know, there's, we've got a witch there that's in a wheelchair and it's so cool because the wheelchair wheels are like a cobweb. <laughs> they look really cute. And then we yeah. have um, male witches. We have uh, non-binary witches and we have witches of color and we have witches of different sizes and different abilities all represented. And I think that is crucial is obviously that's intentional for you. Um, Is that something that you're putting in to make sure that all of the books include that sort of a thing going forward?
1: Um, Yeah, that was absolutely intentional with what witches wear. That's kind of the whole point of the book, right? That a witch doesn't always, first of all, look like a woman, like a thin young woman or an old woman with a big nose and warts um, that all these different people from different walks of life can all be witches. We do try to be intentional with in- including diversity in books. There are cases where if I'm working with both a white author and a white artist, um, try to be more careful about the images because I want everything to be authentic. Um, Like with Brina, we're working on the second edition of Brina Mm. right now. Um, She's a Black character and we are adding a bunch of pages in and I'm working with a really amazing cultural consultant. We've been working on it for so long because I have so many other things in the works, but a really amazing Black woman, her name is Taylor Huntley, to add in Um, Like voodoo and hoodoo and Santeria, we added a brujeria page and there's just a page on like cultural appropriation and research and no, not using those words, but like learning from blogs and books and being respectful when you learn things and where you pick things up from. So yes, I absolutely would love to have more books that represent different practices, different people, different walks of life. But it's also important for me that those books come from those particular communities
0: now. Super important. And I I love that you're doing that. And I think it sets a wonderful example as well. I'm really big on um, especially supporting the publishers and the press, um, you know, houses that, that do do that because it is there's such a there has been such a gap for so long. Um, just if anyone's looking as well, even for adult books, uh, someone that does that really well is Row House Press. Row House Press, mm-hmm. yeah. And Spirit Bound Press, both of those um, doing really well in diversity, inclusion, and just changing the way publishing works as well. Yeah. Which- Traditional publishing is very old and antiquated and it
1: runs on a lot of very old systems and practices and, it's fun in indie publishing to have the flexibility to kind of do whatever you want and make whatever kind of deals you want and take a chance on books and people that might not have gotten the opportunity to do things otherwise. Because publishing is also traditional publishing is such a nepotism game. It is so, oh, you're this person's husband, oh your brother works in this company or your friend from here and i i think people don't realize that that so much of it is who you know already mm-hmm. and that influences a lot of what books get published not necessarily so much in the occult space in the occult space it though is how many followers do you have how well can you market this book now so I don't know. I like to take a chance on people that also don't have much of a social media following mm-hmm. barely. I'm trying to mix it because I have some people who do have really big followings and the ability to market their own books. And then there are people I'm um, working on this really, really cool book about... Um, there's this concept in the Philippines called a Suhi birth, which is like a breech birth in the Philippines. And when children are born breech in the Philippines, they have specific magical abilities to, um within this tradition called like Hilat, which is like touch, um, like healing with touch. Mm. And... Kristen, the author, her father was born in the Philippines and he was born breach in the Philippines a very long time ago. And he had a lot of these experiences in his childhood. So it's his true story that she has written and she's, she wouldn't call herself a witch. It's a book that is about magic and it's a folk tale, um, but she's not, you know, a, a part of the witchcraft community in any way. And I think being able to take stories like that that might not necessarily have been heard otherwise and expose them to the larger magical community is really fun and
0: important. Mm, Absolutely. And I think as well, just talking about, especially home birth or (laughs) pre-birth community. And if anyone's wondering as well, Andrea is amazingly multitasking right now and feeding Georgia, which is absolute super mum vibes. Love it. Um, with breech births, they are rarely seen in the, like, they pretty much don't let you do it in the hospital, but mm-hmm. they can let you, you know, it's not about letting you, they don't inform you that it's a possible way to birth vaginally. Yep. Um, there's a lot of fear around it. And even myself, I've had to relearn what is normal and physiological and all of that in birth through those home birth and free birth spaces because it's just so against what we're often taught in around birth is this medical experience. And I do think there are times where things like being born in the sack, which now is one in eighty thousand. Whereas I'm sure and you know, there's so many these spiritual ties to to that, which we wouldn't we don't have so much anymore because so many people have their waters broken or induced and and that sort of a thing. And
1: yeah, I thought when you said that the nurses said that they'd never seen that before. Like that's such a statement on the medicalization of birth that they had never seen this thing that, yeah, it's, it's uncommon, but it's not crazy unheard of mm-hmm. for people that are around birth all day, every day, working in a hospital, watching people give birth. Yeah. Um. So yeah, those, those types of things that people just don't like, get to see anymore.
0: Yep. And these, these you know, footling breaches or just breach births in general, like I feel like I've watched so many breach birth videos now. <laughs> and it is, it's beautiful and it's amazing. And mm-hmm. it's still possible, right? So uh, I think it's wonderful to hear that there are these spiritual associations with that as well, right? And I think what people, I mean, the fear that was given to me growing up was that birth is dangerous um that women used to die all the time from giving birth um because we didn't have doctors in hospitals like we do now and knowing more now i'm like mm, usually it was the inf- if they got an infection afterwards right so it didn't happen in birth it was afterwards and just knowing that helped to change a lot of my mind because evolutionarily speaking if the species that gives birth then passes away, that doesn't really work for evolution, right? That's doesn't really make sense. So I think there's always this fear around what women do, anything that is, that is powerful. And as you said, it's a portal. There's a lot of, you know, I say women, I mean women and people who birth. It can be a portal space and it's not just for the people birthing as well. We see changes in everyone that's there and witnesses it as well there is power there and i think that's often what gets taken away Uh, and i think this birth wound i'm going to call it also feeds into this witch wound and the fact that midwives were then taken away historically uh, as (laughs) witches and we lost that knowledge and it got medicalized and that power got given back to the patriarchy all of that it's it is intertwined it is there's something there right and i think it's really interesting to watch these changes that are coming through now, not only in witchcraft as a growing community, but home birth growing and yep. all of these things that I think they, they are really much linked. It's really interesting. I think so too. I think we're seeing
1: such a rise in, I know in, in the United States, um, paganism, neo-paganism, Wicca, witchcraft, it's the highest, or the fastest growing religious group by percentage mm. in the United States. So I think there are an est- estimated like 3 million people in the United States right now that are practicing witchcraft in some form. Mm. Um, and it's growing so much every day. It's like a Renaissance period, right? We're in like a new age of Aquarius. And I, I use that very loosely. I don't... <laughs> Um, But people, right, people are really coming back to this. Mm -hmm. And so many people are realizing that this is possible, realizing that when they've been saying, oh, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, or I just I just go with what the universe they're starting to Dig deeper and realize that maybe there are earth based religions that align with
0: that. I used those particular things. I'm not religious, I'm just spiritual. And also, I'm just, you know, the universe. Like, that that was my, those were my lines (laughs) 10, 15 years ago. Once we, once I got kicked out of the church and everything crumbled, that was, you know, I don't know. I believe there's something, there's something there. I'm not atheist i know i'm not atheist but there's something there and yeah it's very it's funny because it, it's that like pathway to figuring out that there's a little more than what you expect especially if you don't know i didn't know any of this stuff was there to as a choice right so it's interesting and i had a i had an interview way back episode five of season one with mortalis and we talked about about pagan funeral rites and mortalis wrote a book literally um you know about pagan funeral rites because they said this is one of the most you know as you said fastest growing religions but every single funeral rite is written for christians and if there is Mm -hmm. any deviance in when they're teaching at mortuary school the only deviance from that is oh sometimes you might have someone who is islamic or someone who is jewish and they're still tied in with those abrahamic religions and there's no nuance outside of that you know so they've written that book for for people that want something different in terms of their you know passing rights their funeral rights their death rights which again is another portal that we go through so and in the birth space i'm noticing there's like it's very strange the birth community is either the na- I should say home birth and free birth community and wild pregnancy area which i'm just interested in i just sort of float in the background there's either very hardcore evangelical religious christian people or very spiritual (laughs) and witchy or pagan or hippie new age like it's there's not really a lot of middle ground it's kind of one or the other it's like this weird one thing that we can agree on um but often for different reasons so it's it's an interesting area obviously lots of um disagreements happen as well because of yes i i have noticed the exact same thing yeah so uh yeah no it's it's an interesting interesting world but i love i love what you're doing with moon dust press i love every single book that i've got of yours has been wonderful uh, i do have actually on the youtube channel if anyone wants to listen i do a read through of brina and c's for coven and i believe you've said that it's okay for me to do with what which is where
1: oh yeah please do meaning to get read alouds up on youtube of me doing it forever.
0: And it's just one of the things on my list of 500 things. Well, I can do that. So leave that with me. Um, If you're all right with Casita Brujita, uh, I will attempt with my Spanish. My Spanish is not the best, but at least the English part will be perfect.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you are more than welcome to read
0: any of them. Which is great. And as an indie publisher, you're able to, like that's possible. Whereas any other children's book that I would get from a traditional publisher there's no way i'd be allowed to to read it yes i
1: do people do all the time and i'm always like you know you don't have the ability to do that i see it on tiktok a lot people read full books and i'm like oh i am
0: a one person operation so you only need my permission fantastic awesome well so andrea firstly thank you so much for joining us even though you know, it's your Sunday night and you've got your lovely children there as well. I really, really, really appreciate it. And First thing- I'm sorry. Do <laughs> not apologize at all, at all. I get it. I'm a mum, and like it's my own podcast. It can be whatever it wants. So with your books and everything, if anyone wants to buy them, where is the best place for them to buy?
1: Yeah. Moondustpress.com. If you are in the United States, if you are in Australia, we're stocked through the little potion co I know that, um, international shipping gets crazy expensive. So very happy to have an Australian stockist now for all of our books. We love them.
0: that. That is wonderful to know, especially because I mean, I crowd, I did the Kickstarter for, um, I think it was for Casita Brujita and then I got the extra books as add-ons because I was like, that saves on shipping. Yeah. <laughs> but, yes, that's really good to know. Little, little Potion Co. Awesome. And as well, anyone who, who has read them, if you have an Amazon account and are able to leave a review, that is the best way to help authors and publishers as well. So please. Oh, yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Perfect. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today, Andrea. Um, I'll pop all those links in the description box below. Don't forget to leave us a review for the Witch Talks podcast over on Apple Podcasts, or you can leave a five-star rating on Spotify. And if you want access to Uncut or Behind the scenes episodes, you can sign up as a Patreon and get to see all of the -the behind-the-scenes goodies. And of course, if you want to book in with me or get any of my services, head on over to suburbanwitchery.com. You can find everything there. Thank you so much and I'll chat to everyone in the future on the next episode. Bye for now. Thanks for having me.